it is the pink elephant theory. If the guest wants a pink elephant, get them a pink elephant. If you can't find a pink elephant, get a horse, paint it pink, convince the guest that's an elephant. Do whatever it takes to ensure they're happy. That's it. Are they happy? Chris Adams here with us. It's the, uh, the Peak Elephant Podcast. We have Stanford Reed with us on the podcast today. Man, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, glad to be here. Nice to meet you, Chris. You as well. We have plenty to talk about today. One, I'd love if you could just take a couple of minutes and uh, let those that are watching, listening right now, um, if, if you kind of read about you and who you are, what you do, um, your travels, you've been performing all over the globe, a lot in in Eastern Asia. Uh, tell everybody just a little bit about what you've been doing. Well, it started off, um, I would say started off about uh, in two, 2014. I started producing music more and decided to record something, put something out there. Was in the New York City scene, going to open mics, trying to get myself out there. Was invited to go to Vietnam. Uh because I, you know, I, I had I could play saxophone, and I hadn't been. I, I kind of took some time off from playing, but when I picked it up, you know, people gravitated to that. Invited me to play in Vietnam. Went there, you know, through some good connections. Had a a very beneficial situation where I was able to tour from Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia. You know, that was a very enriching experience in developing me as an artist. You know. Because I, I was doing so many types of shows, you know, over that period of time, and so it, and and developing facets, uh, you know, upon a, a arriving back to the states, you know, I just been you know wearing many hats. So I curate events, I I, I play saxophone in public and on the train station, uh, on the train itself. Uh, I promote shows that way. I do guerrilla marketing. I, I uh, curate events and create opportunities for other artists. I have a band. I I play for weddings. I just started a, a taco company on Uber Eats. You know, so uh, right now someone could a sound could go off and someone's gonna go and make a waffle. If I have time, <laughs> I can scoop it. But I you know I, someone I I got a few people watch helping out a little small team helping out to make sure we can cover the orders and. You know, that's, and I also have a four month old son. Man, you have stuff going on from every single direction right now. So let's start with the fact that, all right, so in the, in the entertainment business, you got the opportunity to go over to Vietnam, which um, is a beautiful, I don't know if a lot of people realize how beautiful it is over there. Um, how much has, being over in that culture, how different is it being in, you know, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam versus New York City and the response that you got over there? Um, how has it how, how has that been different from being stateside? Well, hmm, I would say that uh, I'm, I, 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 I was born, I was born in Maryland, so I'm originally from Maryland. I went to high school in Atlanta. So to New York City, I guess I am an implant. I'm an immigrant here. I migrated here. So, you know, but I kind of fit in because the way I look, maybe, you know, people can see that that people from here that look like me, you know, and that that thing would, you know, kind of 
make it a certain situation you have in New York City. You can go to a neighborhood where it's another culture mostly, and you find out, oh, New York does have pockets where you could be the the odd one out, like the one who looks different. Mm-hmm. And people still would have gotten used to, you know, at least a little bit used to. So it's not like they're like, wow, what is what is this? Yeah, yeah. Who is this person? I never saw anyone that looks like him, you know, um, except on TV, you know. Um, so in Vietnam, that that factor plays a, a huge role in it. It's a huge part in it because, you know, anywhere I go, it's like, wow hey <laughs> so it, it's either wow hey or it could be very rarely but oh wow hey like i don't know how I, but most people you know generally they see you as human they they're not really paying attention so much to race except to the fact that you look different so we know you're not from here and you we know you have interesting or different experiences that i would love to talk to you about maybe if that can speak the same language or if you know a little bit of my language and, you know, and then that's where integration uh, becomes. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So you get back to – how long have you been back into uh, New York? When did you get back stateside? Uh, I returned uh, – that's almost two years ago. Two years we, ago. Uh, yeah, about two years ago. How did it change – when you got back to New York, did it affect you when you came back? Were you a different person when you came back to New York than when you left from that experience over there? I was a very different person. Uh, very different. Uh, I would say that uh, I had, I had a lot of a lot more organization skills, but I also had a had a much larger worldview, and I also could uh, I I would I felt more familiar and connected to the sense of cultural identity in New York City. So, as I go through New York City, I can see the different cultures and I could understand. Oh, some of the things that I'm seeing are cultural. They're not just like, you know, individual. You know, uh, growing up, like how I grew up, you know, it's more of a, in, a sense of individuality. Like, I feel like I am, I'm just, just me. But then, then you kind of learn like, oh, you know, there's a culture you're connected to and, and then you have racial identity and these things. But, but beyond that, there's more of a, a, a singularity, but I can see the culture since, since returning. <laughs> Did it affect, because um, now I'm curious, when you talk about your music and how you perform and being on stage, how much did being over there, did it affect um, even stylistically? Um, did you pick up things being on that side and start to integrate it into your sound? And did your music change at all? Yeah, definitely. It happened. Uh, it happened immediately. I uh, first, first, it started off. It started from me learning my first Vietnamese song, like a. It's like a melody. Okay. And uh, you know, this song with lyrics. I learned how to sing the song, and then you learn, you know, the melody. And they really, they really want the melody to be exact. Like it's not like you can just like play like a, a supposed of this melody, and when it's exact. People will automatically look like that. That's the melody I know and love. <laughs> and so I began integrating those types of melodies into my performance, whether it be I play a song of hip hop genre or Afrobeat genre or reggae or anything. And I would superimpose or play out these melodies there, and people would 
would acknowledge that they could hear, feel the melody of what I'm playing. Uh, and they love my take on that. Uh, that that really gave them, it really made them feel more connected to what I was doing musically. Yeah, that makes makes total sense. So I guess rewinding a little bit, growing up, what got you into music? What was the, what was that thing other than just knowing you loved it your entire life? Was there something specifically that you said, you know what, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do the rest of my life? Um, well, that kind of happened in segments. You know, I, uh, I, I started playing music very young, uh, drums, piano. My grandmother taught me how to play piano. Then I didn't want to play piano anymore. Saxophone was an instrument that I picked up because I saw a saxophone on a Tonight Show. And um, and then uh, after uh, after beginning to play sax, you you go from middle school, high school. You could go to college and play sax, but I didn't go to college immediately after high school. And I started working. I began playing saxophone a little bit more in the professional realm because I'm just playing like jazz clubs or playing mm-hmm. at churches and being paid to do so. Yep. Uh, and then uh, I kind of went into different careers. I, I did different things. I went to school. I wasn't, I put down a sax for about three years, solid. I didn't touch a saxophone. Uh, after deciding to pick it back up, I realized, um, you know, that, that I, my, that I, re- I remembered the right. I love doing this. How why was I not doing this all along? And uh, and then uh, it started to bring new opportunities to me in my life. And then I also wanted. I had like um, some environmental initiatives types of things, like projects that I want to do. That uh, I realized that to kind of promote and propagate those types of things, it'd be good to have like a influencer or an ambassador for you. For your for your for your cause, and so I decided to kind of, you know, use music more or less as a way to develop like a whole movement, so that those types of things that I, I could do, I could inspire that even if I didn't do it myself, I could inspire people that kind yeah. of change. You know, it kind of makes my ideas more of a franchise rather than just you know a couple of locations that I own. Um. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, at this point, returning from Vietnam, after going there, having a lot of time to invest in the more refi- more detailed parts of making and producing music, which that's not really, to me, it's not connected to artistry. So I had to balance between technical aspects, artistic aspects. And then or, or, upon returning, I had those two kind of under control and then the business aspects kind of kind of became more um, relevant. And so then I had to balance. So I've been balancing out these aspects and then I have to try to move them all together. So um, it, it just, music as my thing I knew I wanted to do for the rest of my life is something that, that I realized that it's a developmental process. It's just my own personal, I feel like my own, uh, my personal development, like, um, uh, it's, uh, it's just the it's journey like, is the path that yeah. you're, you're really on. It's, it's, it's almost a never ending process, right? I mean, it's like every day there's something else that happens or, um, I don't know, I guess in your day-to-day life that continues to inspire, um, and, and keep you passionate 
about doing it. Are do you find yourself? Do you write a lot? Writing, I theoretically, yeah, yes, I, I, but I, I don't, I, I would say that I need to put more time into it. I would always like to write more. Yeah. Do you find when you do write, is it driven off of something that's happened to you personally, something that is driving, like you need to get it out of you onto paper? Mm, no, not exactly. No? No, no. A lot of times I, 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 I like to either write my thought process. Like that's just like maybe just like whatever thought process I have right now. Maybe I just decide to write it. Yeah. Or I like to write uh I like to write abstractions. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So I mean, it's it's literal art for you. It's just it's abstract thoughts that you're you're able to get down on the paper. I love that. What is as you're in you're back in New York now? What are you seeing um, on the music side? What are you? What's your focus now? Are you? Um, you back playing in clubs? Um, where do you find yourself spending the mo- majority of your time? Right now, I'm doing everything. Finding balance right now. Uh, this month, this month I've been dividing my time between being at home and selling waffles. We got to get into that in a minute. Right? <laughs> performing. We got to jump into the waffle thing in a second. Performing. Uh, performing the few events, you know, th- around this season, I didn't, I didn't try to, uh, to book any of the venues. This is a very busy season. I don't know why. I just, I, I just felt like doing it another way. So, um, you know, I, I, I haven't been doing as many concerts that I curate, maybe one, one or two per month. Okay. That sounds like a lot, I guess, but it's not much to me. Um, uh, and then uh, playing in a train, I, I did that today for a bit. My goal is to kind of do that maybe three, four times a week for like two or three hours because it's a good way to promote my company. Um, it's a good way to promote my shows. Mm, uh, yeah. And that's been a lot of time, my son. How's the response from when you're on the train and you're playing? Like majority of the time, what's the, how's the response from those that are, that are on the train, listening, passing by, what is that like? It's generally really, really good, really good response all, all the time, every time is, is a good response. There could be, you know, it doesn't mean that you make the same amount of money. Uh, I guess you call it a great response when you make a lot of money. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes and no. I think sometimes, um, more powerful than money is the personal response. It's words that somebody's saying to you. It's things they're saying as they're passing by, uh, stopping and, and telling you how you know how incredible something is, or what you're doing inspires them. Sometimes that's that's worth more than a, the money they can they can hand you. Yeah, exactly. Nowadays, in the present, in, in a, you know modern world, uh, I have a friend who goes also on the train who goes up and down the aisles and he has QR codes that lead to like Venmo and Cash App. So a lot of times those messages, the pe- the things people get to say to me come via Venmo or Cash App. I can see the message that they sent there. Um, I, I can respond back. 
there's also people who, you know, that I think um, when they give, when they donate, it gives them an opportunity to maybe cross the room when they would just have gone normally and just like had that inside only. They come back and they, they find a way to share it with me, which, you know, that's what makes it go full circle. Uh, I, it's, it's all, but it's, you're right though. It's, it's more, it's, it's, for me, it's always been more than the money. It's just, I would say that they, they kind of go together and there's a thing where you could think that maybe you could make people who aren't feeling so good feel better. And that is the truth. But I have also seen it work in a situation where people may feel below a threshold that if I introduce the saxophone to that situation, those people actually would feel lower because it would lower their vibration because they don't want that right now. And so I, I know the times of day when there's a different type of energy there. And I kind of I, I have respect for that. I know that at, at you know there's a certain time where they this they just don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's genius also to be able to recognize that and you know be intuitive enough to make sure that you're you know you're providing that at the right moment for them, which is super cool. What do you see as next um, before? Because I feel like this waffle thing is gonna that's gonna dominate a conversation. I'm so intrigued by it. But before we go there. Um, outside of that, what do you think is next for you um, from where you're at music? Um, what you, what's your vision for next um, career wise and your artistry? Where do you see that going? Well, I, I believe that, um, that there is a particular type of camaraderie that will be added to my situation that I hadn't had so much of. In Vietnam, I had a sense of this camaraderie, but that was, you know, it was compartmentalized to Vietnam. Returning to America, I have a lot of different groups that I've been working with, but we haven't done so much concrete things. Concrete things could be as simple as, you know, um, creating a song together that we yeah. promote or collaborating on a music video project or a piece of content that's like a high level production. And I have a few of those types of things underway with various friends. And there's a lot of friends who, you know, we, 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 we can talk about it, but, you know, life, life has its twists and turns. I like to try to, you know, do whatever I can to kind of loosen up or lubricate those situations so that, uh, so that uh, it will make it much easier for 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 people that that, that I want to collaborate with to to find the time, you know, whether it be financial compensation or something like a, a retainer or something like that mm -hmm. to, to retain their interest in this busy, ever changing world. For sure, for sure. So, all right, this new business you have, you've launched. It's a waffle business. So yeah. tell me to dive into that. Tell us about what it is, what you're doing. Um, I'm, I got, I got to hear more. So, um, you know, I've, my partner, she's, um, she's big on the vegan food. Like she always has been, I think she's been vegan for like the past decade or so. Me, I, I returned from Vietnam and I tried to eat meat in America 
I was eating meat in Vietnam, but when I first arrived there, I was vegan, or mostly. And uh, I realized that, oh, I don't really enjoy the meat in America, how it makes me feel. And it, dating her and, and being introduced to her diet, you know, she introduced me to some processes. You know, she had a lot of different types of processes. And uh, uh, my, my record label has always been called Waffle. Waffle stands for woke as fuck for life. <laughs> but it also has many other many other meanings, but that's just that's just one of the more comical ones. Uh and uh you know, so it's without the E. And uh I was thinking that wow, I've been selling tacos um at my uh at my hip hop events. Um you know, a taco recipe that I originally got from her. And then uh, I uh, thought about the fact that, all right, we're called Waffle Records. We're already branded as that. We'd be interested if we could just like make a company called Waffle Taco. And then I just, you know, that it started from that idea, put put the energy behind it, partnered with Uber Eats, and now we, we deliver Brooklyn Wide. So explain it. Is it... Is it an actual waffle? Is it a waffle that is the outside shell like a taco and then you're stuffing it with like an actual taco, uh, like meats and stuff like that? Exactly. So so the tagline is it's a specialty vegan waffle with a taco twist and homemade sauce. I like uh, it. Yeah. So the, uh, the taco twist, you know, it could be we have like a portobello beef. You won't you won't know it's not beef. You know, it's yeah. not. Not imitation of beef, but it's just so happen it it tastes just like uh we have a barbecue jackfruit, we have a fried oyster mushroom. you can't tell it's not fried chicken we have uh you can't tell the barbecue jackfruit not it's not a, a pulled pork uh we have oh and we also have a wild salmon because you know i i I believe in the pescatarian diet a bit i i I enjoy it i I know a lot of people would so you know, I, I added that to the menu and I also added Beyond Meat because that's pretty it's, pretty, it's pretty darn good sometimes, you know, seasoned just right. So I seasoned it up in a special way. We got our signature seasons uh, and herbs, blends, you know, so yeah, that's uh that's Waffle Taco and we're doing really good. We just launched on um, Uber Eats a few days ago and uh, it's been very consistent um, numbers and we're learning the, learning the trends of the weekly flow of how how people would be ordering dude that's super cool i love that one it's outside the box thinking again as an artist like yourself it's doing things that's different um and going after a a market that is you know probably under under tapped right when you talk about that that market of people that are looking for these vegan type dishes but doing it in such a cool unique way um I mean, I wish I was in Brooklyn right now to place an order. Yeah. I don't know how those will ship out to the West Coast, but it sounds amazing. Yeah, we're working on the, you know, and another reason why I was passionate about making a company, because I I, 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 I uh, wanted some waffles and we had a waffle maker, but I, I didn't I didn't feel like making one and it's kind of small and uh, I didn't feel like making such, such, such small ones, making over and over. So I brought Ego Waffles. And uh, got home and I was eating them. And then I, I called my sister on the phone, on FaceTime. She's like, "Are you eating Eggo waffles?" I was like, 
I, I just ate one. I kind of like how it made me feel. And she said, oh, you still eat that? I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I don't know. I didn't think there was anything wrong with him. She said, you know, it has egg in it. I was like, it's egg in it? So yeah, it's egg in it. So I looked at the bag. I'm like, oh, it is egg in it. So yeah, eggo. I'm like, oh, egg, egg, <laughs> eggo. And and this baby, I I I I threw them all away. I I, I kind of threw them out. I didn't, I, didn't, I, I would have like donated them if I could, but like you know, I didn't I didn't want them. Uh, I left them in the freezer too long, and, and I don't want to eat them anymore. Uh, but you know, I, I I was glad to make a vegan waffle. You know, it doesn't have egg in it. Made with spell flour. Yeah, yeah. I I, I definitely could package it up. Really nice, ship them, and if freeze them, ship them to you. I think they would they would come out really great. You throw them in the oven. Yeah. Nice, man. It, it's I, I love hearing um, just individuals that I'm able to talk to um, and hear that that journey and that path of finding creativity, finding unique ways to bring something to market that somebody else has never thought of, um, that people fall in love with. Um, and it's so cool to hear how you've taken this insane journey that you've had from New York, well, from Atlanta, New York, going out to Asia, going back to New York, having this insane career on the music side with everything that you're doing there, and then interpreting that into food and then bringing it to market with something that's so unique and different. Um, did you think that Growing up, did you did you always want to kind of do your own thing? Were you always kind of like just this stand out, stand away from everyone else and just always kind of had your own, I don't know, mindset going against the grain of what everyone else was doing? I, I guess I guess that was a lot of it. You know, I kind of I would say that that vantage point kind of gave me more perspective that I used to to help, you know, like especially the adults when I was growing up the adults solve problems. So, you know, they begin to like uh, call me like the professor or look at me as more like a poindexter type of kid because I would try to sit back and solve their problems. And my solutions would be, you know, pretty ap applicable. <laughs> That's very cool. So you've got a little one, right? You've got a four month old, is that right? Yeah, four month old son. So now you've got a four month old son. How much has having, um, having that son change your perspective um on what you do or what you want for them how you want them to grow up what you i guess almost the world you're leaving behind for them has it changed you at all now that you have this four month old that's you know i'm sure become your world it gives me more enthusiasm towards every 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 bit of advancement you know knowing that knowing that these moves that i'm making today you know uh are 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 the building blocks of the future for him. Yeah. It's crazy uh, how much I think you realize as, as a parent, how much more you think about what you're doing, what you're leaving behind. And I don't mean materialistically and physically as much as it is the legacy that you're leaving and what you're instilling in them. Um, and, you know, what kind of adult are they going to become? You know, you just, it's so weird how, as a, at least for me as a parent, how much you want to make them proud, um, you know, your kids. And so it, uh, I can tell you my kids, they're not four months old anymore. They're old, older. 
and um, time flies. So uh, take advantage uh, of that little one because you blink one day and, you know, they're teenagers going to college and time flies, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What's next for you? You've got the, the waffle businesses popping off now. You've got all of things going on on the music side. What do you think is going to be then? What's the next iteration of you? What do you see yourself diving into? What's the next 12, 18 months look like? Next 12, 18 months look like? I would say the next 12, 18 months, uh, my goal is to do some, uh, some, some, some good catering, um, some high-level business. Uh, I, I plan on spending some time in Atlanta um, early on, like, uh, like spring, a couple months there, in order to, in order to uh, see what type of growth I can help to facilitate for myself. And, and I have a community there that I, that I, that I would like to interact with and, and see what, what, what that combination looks like. And I know it takes a bit of time investment in order yeah. to get those results. So I want to push that. I want to invest that time in, in, in Atlanta. Um, my sister is there. And then, uh, I also have some some plans for Vietnam. Uh, my my goal is to my goal is to you know streamline my my waffle company, and have it have it operated by a small team, and able to just like you know run the city from like a very tiny kitchen. Nice and uh, and uh, set up you know a few of those in a few markets here. Um, in New York and in Atlanta, and then uh, make it a a mobile thing because it's going to be a part of our concert concept. When people right. come to our concerts, uh, you know, it's it's brought to you by Waffle, and and now you can you can get your own Waffle. That's <laughs> super cool. Issue. Yeah, nice. So if people are going to try and find you. Um, they want to try and follow you on social media or they want more information on, on uh, waffle taco. What's the best way for people to get in either getting in touch with you or just following your journey? Yeah. If they type Stanford read on any social media platform, I'm, I'm right there. Uh, and, uh, yep. Yep. That's pretty much it. It's Stanford read on any social media platform, uh, Stanford Uh, uh, if you want waffle taco, you'll see that there as well. Nice. So Stanford reads a one-stop shop to get everything you need, follow your journey, um, and, and make sure that they're following along and getting access to everything you're doing and just seeing what's happening. And then, uh, when this, when they're in a city that waffle taco is, they can make sure they're jumping on that as well. Yeah. I love it. I love it, man. I can't thank you enough for just spending a few minutes with us today. Um, giving people a little access behind the scenes to what you've been doing, to what you have going on. Um, you know, I, I encourage people to reach out, go check Stanford out on social media, go check out waffle taco. If you're in, if you're in Brooklyn, Brooklyn right now, place an order, place an order. I mean, I'm, I'm curious this, all the different, uh, flavors that you have going on. Sounds intriguing, man. 
Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of addicted to it myself. I'm about to go in there and eat one, eat one now. <laughs> I love it. Thanks so much, everyone, for hanging out with us today, Stanford. We appreciate you. Again, you could jump online and check him out. Stanford reads the place to go, so you can see everything he has going on. I'm Chris Adams at Chris Adams underscore eag or uh, www.ellisadamsgroup.com. We'll see everyone next week. <laughs>